Yo, yo. On gang. Papa. Mm. No, gang. Yo. Yo. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the big baby JTV jokes. Welcome to the big broadcast. Let's run this, Drake. I don't care. Let's go. Yeah. I know y'all are cheesed. I know this is not what you wanted. I know this is definitely not what you wanted. Okay? But this is the Drake that we got. Let's run it back. All right. That was the music video I'm watching. It's not the Drake song. Let's get back to it. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I unpaused at the wrong time. But yo, vibe, 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 vibe. All right, so let's just talk about it, man. Let's just start it off. First and foremost, thank you, every single person who's been listening to the big broadcast. I've been checking the analytics, the numbers. A lot of people are tuning in. You're showing love. I get it in the comments. I get it all kinds of ish, and I'm really liking the feedback. People are listening, and they're enjoying, and I love it, and I love it. Why? Because I work really hard, and to see your hard work pay off even a little bit, is really really a vibe you know it's really really feels good but i'm just gonna start it off like this man you know what i mean let's just start off with their drake review right let's start off with the drake review now let me keep a note cap i do not like drake albums i don't like drake albums i don't like drake albums i like some drake singles the thing about drake is that he's very good at doing singles okay he's very good at making poppy music that the general population is gonna like this nigga literally had a tiktok dance tootsie slide a tiktok song like what like who does that so what he did with honestly never mind is that he made a dance album he made realistically not even a dance album he made a house album he made an r&b house album okay now, if y'all don't even know what R&B house is, well, you definitely don't know a lot of music. That's completely fine. I'm not going to judge you like that. But house is really on the rise. It's on the rise. If you're paying attention in EDM, electronic dance music, I think house is probably the most popular genre right now. No kizzy. No kizzy. I'm not capping right now. Right? Now, am I a big house guy like am i you know known knowing all the intricacies of house music and its history and all these things absolutely not i'm not gonna pretend like i do <laughs> i'm definitely not gonna pretend like i do but i enjoy it i enjoy it and it's killing the game right now right so you know what drake song is what a lot of people are seeing right now you know y'all remember k trinata y'all know k trinata one of the best house djs out here canadian Killing the game. Canadian from Montreal. Killing the game. Releasing great, great music. Especially when it comes to R&B house. Okay? See, K. Tronado, right, is a kind of guy who I think inspired Drake to do something like this. And if we really expand that palette, you know what I'm saying? Um, 
you can really think that The Weeknd inspired Drake to do this album. Now, look, we know what Drake is. Drake is the Majin Buu of hip-hop. He's the Majin Buu of music, actually, if we just keep it a bean. You know what Majin Buu does? He takes the power. If y'all don't know that reference, let me let me give y'all some Dragon Ball Z history. Uh, Majin Buu was, you know what I'm saying, an alien who took the powers and absorbed the powers of other fighters and used it against themselves, right? He was one of the most formidable villains in Dragon Ball Z history, right? Right? And that's exactly what Drake is. Drake sees what's going on in the music scene. And I don't really think it's him. I'm just going to keep a no cap, no cap. It's definitely his team. His team is very aware. And that's the importance of having a strong team. His team saw that House was killing the game. And he decided instead of doing what y'all do, which is recycle and rap and spit and do the exact same thing you've always been doing you idiot rappers right i'm gonna do something different let me tell y'all something mr moral and the big steppers by kendrick lamar he did something different you know and i hate that this era is so obsessed with everyone staying the same and having no progression that y'all are quick are quick to hate on something different and new. Now, look, I'm going to be honest with y'all. I actually liked, honestly, never mind. I like that. I like that album. I did. I did. Am I going to give it a, you know, 10 out of 10? Absolutely not. Am I going to give it an 8 out of 10? Absolutely not. Drake has not had a good album since, if you're reading, this is too late. And that was a mixtape. <laughs> I'm not even capping. You know what I mean? Like, that was the last good one he had. You know what I mean? Uh, More Life was maybe kind of good, but what? You know what I mean? That, that was, you know? So, in general, he's had ass, terrible albums. And the thing is, is because what he does is he likes to put things together that don't make sense. Okay? He'll have a banger on it, like like Certified Lover Boy, right? He had some bangers in there. I'm not going to cap. You know what I mean? But they don't have a cohesion. It seems like dude is just slapping ish together, which is sad because, bro, you're too talented for this. Let me tell you something, man. Let me show you the opposite of that. The opposite of that is what J. Cole does. <laughs> J. Cole has a usually almost every time a album that you can tell is an album that was put together. He didn't just slap off singles out there to get Spotify clicks and get billboard charts. No, he did it with an intention. Okay, so Drake obviously doesn't do that. <laughs> I think the last time he did that is probably with Take Care, and, and, and Take Care was obviously his best work, but that's the last time he even attempted to put you know an album together. Now, honestly, never mind, has some good tracks. Okay, and, and I hate you weirdos for hating on it, but the track we were listening to was Falling Back, Slapper, Massive, which is the eighth track on the tape, Slapper. Okay, liability is pretty good too. But the one that everybody's going to rock with, as I've already seen, is Jimmy Cooks. Obviously, that's the one that he raps. And let me tell y'all something, man. When Drake raps, he's very good. When he gets his ghostwriters together, his team together to actually spit bars, not only is he good, he is absolutely very damn good. I would even say that he's like maybe a top five rapper rapper. Like, no, I'm not, I'm not capping. 
you know with the wordplay but sometimes he says some very cringe like weird ish and you're like bro like what was that you know what i'm saying i i dread teaching you niggas like i'm j cole some ish like that like what like it's cringy you know what i mean but the crazy thing is on jimmy cooks uh 21 savage cooks him (laughs) <laughs> I know, yeah, y'all didn't expect that, but yeah, Twenty One Savage cooks this dude. Yes, yes, Drake obviously gets, and you know what's crazy? Twenty One Savage is sneakily putting up great features, fam. Great, fantastic features. It's like Kodak Black. People like don't want to admit that Kodak actually has bars, actually has lyricism, right? Now look. Apart from falling back, like I mentioned, massive Jimmy Cook's um, liability, like I mentioned, a lot of it is mid-house music. Mid-house music and trying too hard R&B. Now, look, can Drake actually sing? No. He croons. Okay? You know, you know, Drake would say, oh, he's a light-skinned Keith Sweat, whatever, or Keith Sweat, you know, all these things. In a sense, yes and no, because even though Keith Sweat was mostly crooning, like, song talking, you know, Keith Sweat actually has a voice. If y'all listen to it, he actually can sing for real, though. You know what I mean? But Drake attempts to sing sometimes, and it's cringy. And on top of that, bro, he tries to use autotune way too much, dog. You know what I mean? So when people say it's mid, uh, I mean, I guess... I guess, but for a house album, it's not bad. So let's get to the main point. I give this album a 7.5 out of 10 or 3.5 stars out of 5. Okay. If you're expecting hip hop Drake, no. If you're expecting R&B Drake, no. This is house Drake. Drake decided instead of being uh, appropriating black culture and African culture and UK culture <laughs> and Spanish culture and Arab culture. He said, uh-huh, let me be Majin Buu and let me appropriate white rave culture. <laughs> let me let me appropriate uh, shuffling culture. You know what I'm saying? Like, who would have thought? You know what I mean? So, so for me, I just like the attempt for one. You know, e- even, even, even the, um, the Weekends album, right? Where he decided, yeah, I'm just going to make an 80s album. I actually liked it. And I hate the weekend's music. I hate it. I absolutely despise it. And if y'all think I'm weird for that, I don't give a F. I don't like the weekend's music. And if you're into the weekend's music, I don't know what to tell you, cuz. That's just what it is. So, here's how I look at it, right? Here's how I look at it. I think at the end of the day, right, Drake was going for something different. And I salute that in this era of recyclable music that we always forget. Now, will the masses like this album? Absolutely not. Most people do not like this album. Most people do not understand house music or really get it or even really like it that much. It's niche right now, but it's getting very, very much popular. What I really like and was something I want to just take note of is that Carnage uh, was one of the producers on this uh album now carnage he shifted from going you know dubstep and and full uh you know what i'm saying bass and now he's going to a more the house type of feel now he goes by gordo that's his house uh dj name 
right? And I really, really like Carnage. Carnage is, is, is he's lit. He's really, really good. So instead of going base, he's gone house and he's explored that. And I think that inspired Drake to try it out. You know what I'm saying? If y'all really want to hear a good house, listen to Gordo, Ketranada. Them peoples are really, really good, right? So for me, as I say, I'm giving the album a 7.5 or 3.5 out of 5 stars, 7 out of 10. It's not bad. It has some it has some redeemable songs. It's just that, you know, most Drake fans won't like it. That's not what they're into. And they're allowed to be into that. You know what I'm saying? But I'll say it like this, man. Another thing I'm not into, really. <laughs> Very simple. I'm not into the Warriors winning the chip. I'm not into it. I'm not into the Warriors winning the chip. Now, look. Did they deserve to win the chip? Absolutely. They were the better team. They were the better team. Now, look. What happened with the Boston Celtics versus the Warriors? Right? Game six. Now, look. Let's just keep it a bean, man. The Boston Celtics in the playoffs are not a good home team. Matter of fact, they lose a ton of games in their home, right? And um, especially in the playoffs, right? That's how we had a game seven versus Miami because they can't take care of home court. They're better road dogs. For me, in the back of my mind, I thought, okay, this might end tonight, which was Thursday, right? And it did because Boston quit. Boston quit. They quit with the last, I think, six to seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. Why? Because Jason Tatum kept on doing Jason Tatum things, which is turnovers. After the amazing defense of Andrew Wiggins, shouts out to my Canadians on C's. You know what I'm saying? Shouts out to my Canadian folk, them. You know, you had a situation where the quote-unquote leader or the primary scorer was stinking up the joint like he's done in most of the games. Right. And this is how, you know, that Emil Doku is a rookie coach, because Emil should have at some point. I'm not even bullshitting. He should have benched Tatum and let Jalen Brown take over because Jalen Brown ended the game with 34 points. And I believe like 14 rebounds, something crazy like that. So the best player on the court for Boston was Jalen Brown. Why don't you run the offense through him? Right. And on top of that, there was the mismatch of Al Horford versus Steph Curry where they tried to exploit that mismatch. They should have kept on doing that. At the end of the third quarter, right, Boston had went on a 15-2 and two run. And this is the problem with Boston. They get on runs, and they just don't stay consistent. They are so good at blowing leads. They're so good at, at, at quitting, in a sense, and not pushing uh, the gas pedal. I'm saying not pushing up. And, and you know who's really good at that? <laughs> the Warriors. <laughs> the Warriors, something they're very good at is pressing the issue. Right? What do I mean by that? When they smell blood, they keep going. That's why you had them in the second quarter go for a 21 and 0 run. That's nuts. That's nuts. That was like a record in NBA playoff history. It hasn't been done since like the 1970s. Right? See. The Warriors deserve to win that game. They deserve to win that game. For the simple fact that Boston got too comfortable and they got so comfortable that they quit with six minutes left in the game. And they were down about 15 or 16 at that point. That's, you know, that's in distance. That's possible. 
but you have to play hard on both ends. Didn't happen. Well, the most pathetic part was when there was four minutes left in the game, right? I think Clay Thompson or somebody or, or Jordan Poole bricked up a, a three, right? Nobody on Boston was going for the rebound. Nobody. And then Draymond Green, because he actually cares about basketball, cares about the game, actually has a never-die attitude. He got the board. They got an extra 15 seconds on the clock, and I think uh, Wiggins got some kind of layup. So at that point, instead of trying to come back and be Warriors, you're already down 16, 17 points. Why don't y'all say, F it, I'm just going to go hard. Even Marcus Smart wasn't going hard. Marcus Smart decided to start breaking shots, breaking threes, in the fourth quarter, right? The best time to start breaking shots. I'm being sarcastic. That's the worst time. So this dummy, Marcus Smart, decided, hey, I'm just going to start breaking shots. I'm just going to shoot our team out of the game. And Jalen, uh, Jason Tatum was like, okay, I'm just going to turn over our team out of the game. Al Horford said, uh, instead of you know exploiting my matchup with Steph Curry, I'm just going to let Steph Curry D me up. Pause. Yes, Steph Curry, finals MVP, well-deserved though. Apart from him getting 34 points and leading the Warriors in scoring, he was giving Al Horford work in the fourth quarter. I'm not, I'm not lying to you. He literally gave, was giving great defense on Al Horford, was really defending him and stopping him from getting to the paint as much. Real talk. I'm not joking. 6'3", about maybe 195-pound uh, Steph Curry. And I, I'll give him Curry his credit. He's actually gained some muscle mass. I don't know what he's been doing. Maybe some steroids, but, <laughs> you know, there is a limit. <laughs> this guy is a 34-year-old man and actually playing some of his best basketball. That was crazy. I don't like the Warriors. I don't. I don't. I don't like Steph Curry. I do not. But I respect them. I respect the heart. I respect the hustle. These dudes are in their mid-30s. Right. And they're still winning championships. Now, the young core, Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins. Right. Um, you know, Gary Payton, the third. Right. Looney. These guys, they know their roles. They know their positions. They know what they're supposed to do. Andrew Wiggins could have gotten finals MVP for the defense that he played on Jason Tatum the entire series because it was amazing. It was amazing. It was great. Tatum even looked scared a lot of the time. I'm not capping. I'm not capping. Clay Thompson played a terrible series, but Clay Thompson understood the assignment. He was playing great defense. Also on Jalen Brown. On Marcus Smart. You know what I'm saying? Whenever you needed Wiggins to get you a layup or a quick three, he would. Whenever you needed Jordan Poole to get maybe a last minute uh, a three-pointer to end the third quarter, he would. You know what I'm saying? Whenever you need a Draymond Green to irritate and mentally annoy Boston players, he would. And Draymond Green actually had his best game uh, in game six on Thursday, the last game. And that's where you want to peak. You want your, your players, your leaders to peak at the most important times. And he did. You know what I'm saying? He set up a crazy double screen for Curry for a crazy three that put them up 10. You know what I'm saying? Boston was clearly disrespecting Draymond because they let him take open threes that he made. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, he was being actually clutch. He was hustling. And I kind of, I like that. Not even kind of, I really like that. 
You know what I'm saying? So ultimately, you had a situation where a team, the Golden State Warriors, who have already won three chips, were playing with more heart than the young, defensive-minded, strong-minded, young Boston team. Like, how does that even make sense? You know what I mean? Now, you could chalk it up to experience, which I think is a big factor as to why, uh, you know, the Warriors won. But it's also heart, fam. You can't measure heart. You can't measure determination. You can't measure that willingness to say, man, I'm going to go out there and get it. And that's the thing that you saw with, you know, Golden State, especially in the fourth quarter. Because, yes, it was manageable going into the fourth. They were down like 10. Boston was down about 10 points. It's not like they were getting, you know I mean, thrashed and destroyed, bro. But, like, you start the fourth quarter, you're like, you're thinking, okay, Boston's going to have some heart. No, man, they folded like pancakes. They folded. And, and how do you take that? You know what I'm saying? You folded. You folded, bro. <laughs> like, bruh. Origami because you folded. And that's pathetic. That's pathetic. And I hate seeing that. But it is what it is. NBA season is done. Are we going to start watching baseball now? Am I going to start having podcasts where I dissect the freaking Toronto Blue Jays? <laughs> we got the Stanley Cup playoffs going. I might, I might check out the little hockey, little, little hockey ting ting. I don't know, bro. I'm super sad about it. You know what I'm saying? My Miami Heat team. We Jimmy Butler took it far. And when I say Jimmy Butler, it literally was just Jimmy Butler. Bam, decided to show up in game seven. Too little, too late. <sighs> LeBron James, currently my favorite player in the league. You know, the Lakers. Don't get me started about the Lakers. You have this guy. <laughs> Anthony Davis, you know what I'm saying, just hasn't picked up a basketball since April. Like, what? Like, what? Like, come on, AD, really? You're the dude who gets injured every five seconds, bruh, and you haven't picked up a basketball? What does that imply to me? You haven't picked up a basketball in almost three months. What does that imply to me? That implies to me, bro, you're not really that serious about your job, cuz. That means, like, you're not really serious about putting in the work, fam. Y'all remember four years ago, not even, yeah, actually, even three years ago, people were saying AD was probably the second or third best player in the league. Nobody was talking about Giannis like that. Giannis was maybe a top 10 player. Nobody was talking about Jokic like that. Nobody was talking about Joel Embiid like that. The best big in the game, hands down, was Anthony Davis, right? Now, uh, uh, uh. Carl, Carl Anthony Towns is probably a bet is is way better than AD right now. You have guys who are bigs in this league that are looking crazy, and you have LeBron who's thirty seven damn years old, who shouldn't be leading his team in scoring, who should be coasting in the end of it. Let me tell y'all something, man. Let me tell y'all about other players with thirty. There are so many players, legends, Hall of Famers with thirty seven years old. And were washed purely. Washed. <laughs> Let's start off with my favorite player of all time, Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade retired, I believe, at 37 years old. <laughs> I'm not capping. Yeah. Hall of Famer, Dwayne Wade, my favorite player of all time. I, I don't support with some of the things he does off the court, but bro, you know? 
37 years old, Vince Carter was a journeyman playing for the Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta, not not Falcons, that's football. Atlanta Hawks coming off the bench. Like what? 37 years old, Jason Kidd, MVP, uh, sorry, Hall of Famer, future Hall of Famer, was playing for the Dallas Mavericks as like basically a, a six man off the bench. I think JJ Barea was starting instead of him. JJ freaking Barea, dog. Really? Really? That's what's happening? And then you have this guy, LeBron James, motherfucking, mother effing beast. I don't like cussing, but you have this man, LeBron James, 37 years old, almost leading the league in scoring. You know what I'm saying? Literally the only breath of fresh air on the Lakers, right? And now he's expected going into, I think, year 20 now. If not year 20, this dude been in the league for the longest. Anyways, this dude going into year 20, who's going to pass Will Chamberlain for the scoring mark, he's expected to be the big dog, the leader again, right? I don't think that's what LeBron wants to do. And you really, if you really think about it, that's not his natural ad- attitude, man. That's not his natural proclivity, bro. Even though I hate Steph Curry, but LeBron James is extremely similar to Steph Curry. Steph Curry is the best player on his team, correct? But is Steph Curry the leader? No, that's Draymond Green. Jason Tatum is apparently, allegedly what people say, the best player on Boston. That's actually Jalen Brown. But... The leader of that team is Marcus Smart, right? The difference here, though, the difference here, though, is that Draymond Green actually does his role, and he does it very well as a facilitator and defender. Marcus Smart does his role as a facilitator and defender. But look at the goddamn Lakers. You have their best player, who's LeBron James, realistically, right? And this other person who was supposed to be the leader. AD, Anthony Davis, can't even stay on the court for one. Barely speaks, barely has any kind of leadership qualities, any oomph to him, right? And now you're expecting a new coach to come in, Darvin Ham, and to be the savior? I get the F out of here. Y'all are setting my boy up to fail. I don't even know who Darvin Ham is like that, but they're setting up, up bro to fail. How can you have a rookie head coach, right, come in this type of position with this type of franchise, with these type of players, and be the savior? He's not the savior. Controversial opinion, trade Anthony Davis. Controversial opinion, not that controversial, actually. Get rid of uh, Westbrook, right? Bring in John Wall, bring in whoever. Man, even bring in CP3. Who cares? Go for broke, you know? At this point, those are the best options because you're dealing with individuals in an organization, which is the Lakers, that do not match and don't work. Why am I going off on a rant about the Lakers? Because I'm effing cheesed that the Warriors won this year. And I'm hoping the Lakers can come back. They're not. They're not the best team that can beat the Warriors moving forward. I actually believe is the Clippers. The Clippers are a healthy Memphis team. Really? You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's obviously not the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> I honestly think the Mavs actually, you know, with uh, Christian Wood that they added, I think they could do something. But I don't think that they, they're not enough for the Warriors, fam. They're, they're not enough. But, you know, the West is going to be very interesting. I think the East is still going to be interesting. 
you know, my team, Miami, we need to really invest into getting somebody else, another piece, a secondary score, another star. You know, Embiid has kind of been flirting with it, and I think that would have been that would be crazy because Embiid and Jimmy have a relationship. I respect that. You know what I'm saying? But we need another star, fam. We need somebody else who's willing to help Jimmy because Bam Adebayo hasn't developed into that fully yet. I don't even think he fully will. Um, Tyler Hero hasn't taken that extra next step, and when he does take that step, it's in the regular season, not in the playoffs. Remember the bubble championship, the, the bubble, you know what I'm saying, in 2020? Why did Tyler Hero get so much love? Because Tyler Hero actually stepped up majorly in the playoffs. Clutch shots, clutch scoring. This playoffs, absolutely not. You know what I'm saying? So for me, I'm excited for next year's NBA season. It's going to be fun, a lot of narratives, but <sighs> I hate to say it because I'm not, I hate the Warriors, but. They might be the the best position team right now, man. I can see the Bucks giving them a run for their money if they played in the finals. You know what I'm saying? Let's not even start about the Brooklyn Nets. I think that's going to be over midseason next year. I think either Kyrie or is going to get traded or KD is going to leave. I, that's over. That's done. Or, or they're going to finally fire Steve Nash because he doesn't do shit. You know what I mean? So ultimately, you're in a situation where... The real contenders, the real teams who have a real chance of winning are few and far between, fam. And if you see the Warriors bringing everybody back with Kuminga taking a bigger step because he's very talented, with Wiggins already being an all-star and even developing that Jordan Poole becoming a center figure, you can have a situation where the Warriors could go to the finals two more times in the next four years. That's not a joke. They could easily do that. They have the experience, the stamina, and now they have the youth. This could be very, very crazy. I don't like it, but I have to face the reality. You know what I'm saying? That's just what it is, you know? But we're going to end this off. Not really end this off, but I just wanted to speak a little thing about, you know, African politics, really. And more specifically, East African politics. You know, in the past few weeks, really, between uh, Congo and Rwanda, right? It, it got really heightened about two weeks ago where, you know what I'm saying, uh, Congo and the government were accusing Rwanda of using rebel forces to go in there uh, in East Congo, uh, the Kivu area, to fight uh, their people and, and kill their own people. So basically, long story short, Congo is accusing Rwanda of funding rebels, right? And then Rwanda is accusing Congo of having rebels of their own that they're funding to, to fight people. Uh, Randy, Randy's politics. Sorry, my mistake. Rwanda is accusing Congo of capturing two Congolese soldiers and not releasing them, right? Now, recently, in the past few days or maybe a week ago, uh, Congo did release these, uh, the Congolese government, they released these Rwandese soldiers, um, and they've been in peace talks and negotiations, right? Uh, the Congolese president and the Rwandese president, Paul Kagame, right? Now, for me, I'm going to watch my words carefully. I'm just going to be wise with how I say things, because this is things that, you know, hurt deep. You have Rwandese people, Congolese people who are extremely passionate about this, maybe family members involved in all these things. Ultimately, we want peace, man. We want peace in these areas, right? Some of the most important minerals in the world can be found 
in eastern Congo, right? There's a mineral called cobalt that's abundant in eastern Congo, right? And that mineral is used in all of our cell phones and most of our tech that we use, laptops, computers, all these things, right? And it's kind of convenient and weird that, you know, you know, there's always been conflict in that area and there's always new phones coming every five seconds. Literally, since the late since the late 90s, after the genocide of Rwanda, there's always been conflict in that area. There's literally been a segment called the Congo Wars between the 1990, 1998 to like, I think, 2003. And it still goes on to this day literally 23 24 years later insane right i just want there to be peace man because when you have that area being destabilized you have disorganization you have war and then you have losses you have death you have famine you you have destruction really when there's a possibility that if these you know areas were unified specifically congo and rwanda Imagine the wins that both countries would have, right? There is so much precious minerals in Congo and Rwanda, specifically more so Congo, that that place could literally be Wakanda. Rwanda is, we're developing very well. My country is doing very well, but it always, I always question how is this funding coming, right? Is there exploitation happening? And for me, I've always been suspicious of governments, almost all governments. I don't trust no governments. Let me keep it real, especially African ones and dictators who've been in power for more than 25 years. I don't know if I can trust that per se. So here's what I say. I say that there should be more peace talks. I say the future generation needs to learn from this and say, hey, we ain't going to do what they did. We ain't going to continue having a Bush war for 23 24 plus years pathetic pathetic let's work together and get this bread together that's what i want to hear that's what i want to do i want to go out there and make some mother effing money i don't want to be worried about this or that i want to go make some bread and listen to this honestly never mind album by drake <laughs> but you know that is african politics man if you really look at it, the, 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 the subjugation and the, the, the amount of, of conflict in those areas and those zones in African countries is insane. And I'm telling you something, man. I'm not trying to be crazy conspiracy theorists, but imagine if there was unity. So it must be an incentive to a certain degree to have destabilization. Why do I say that? Because everybody profits of of uh, africans except africans you know how much poverty is going on in africa and we have the most resource rich continent in the world you know what i'm saying that's like canada making all this maple syrup and not getting paid for any of it you know what i mean I think that there's an incentive to keep Africa in general, the full continent destabilized in war, in famine, so other Western countries and organizations, CIA, FBI, M6, benefit and profit off it. Yes, controlled opposition. Yes, Bay of Pigs. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm talking Cuba. Yeah. Yeah. There is an incentive, and I know it's going to come out in the future, and we've already seen little 
ebbs and flows of this to keep Africa destabilized so that they cannot achieve ultimate power and can be still uh, owing debts to the World Bank and the IMF. That's the facts. That's the facts. It's the same way that Haiti owes France like millions and billions of dollars. Like what? How did y'all enslave us and now we owe you money? How did y'all colonize us and now we owe you money? Right? Like how nutty is that? How nutty is that? And I want my Africans, my Rondese people, you know, to have resistance and have bravery and say we ain't going to take it. I'm not calling for revolution. I'm calling for a understanding and a re-energizing of the climate to say, hey, we're Africans, we're proud, and we're not going to take these old washed up habits and, and techniques. Bro, we ain't going to take it. No, we ain't going to take it anymore. That's a rock song. I don't know who sings that, but I think it was entertaining. One thing I want to touch up on to finish off the pod is the importance of, you know what I'm saying, not giving an F what people say. Recently, I've just realized, not just realized, but I've seen a lot of people talk ish about me and, you know, disrespect me and all type of ish and, you know, talk behind my back. Of course, I found out. But it's learning now to not give an F what people say or think about you. Just be yourself. Just be you. We see this all the time, every time in our society, in our lives that, you know, just not giving an F. It is such a powerful mantra and a way of thinking because everybody gives an F and society's trying to tell you to care more, care more, care more. No, you should start caring less about other individuals and start caring more about yourself, you, the human being. So that's my motivation for today, bruh. I'm going to end this off with this. Care about yourself and don't give a F what these people think. Point blank, period. Let go. Let me remind y'all, this is the big broadcast with Big Baby J. Patreon members got this early. I'm going to put this on the Patreon first. And I'm out. Jimmy Cooks, let go.